And we all thank you for coming out. We really do. And I say I look forward to a great dinner afterwards. But I am so excited about the Word of God today. And in fact, this sermon series. And somebody says, well, Dwayne, what's a sermon series? Well, we take a, a, a topic and we kind of talk about it for five or six weeks. And that's what we're doing. And this series is entitled Life Apps. And last week... We talked about an incredible truth that I've been in church a long time, and it's something you know but you don't know, and that is that application is everything. And what's happened over some years, and I'm not sure how, how many decades or how long it's taken, but somehow we got the idea that, that just coming to church, just coming and listening to a sermon, maybe singing some songs, well, that was like extra credit with God, and, and that would radically change our lives just coming to church. But what we learned last week was that it takes one thing more than that. It's a great thing to come to church. But if all we do is come and fill a seat and walk out and maybe feel a little guilty, maybe say to the pastor, oh, you got all over my toes today, but it doesn't change us, that really doesn't do a whole lot. It's kind of like, it's kind of like buying a treadmill. We, we go and spend several hundred dollars on a treadmill and we put it in our den or in our living room. And, and it just sits there and as much as money as I spend, my intentions are good. Just buying the treadmill does not really do me any good. No, I have to get on the treadmill and then exercise for it to do me good. Going to the doctor is not enough. Hearing his advice and paying the copay is not enough. You've got to listen to the doctor and do what he says. I get in my car this morning. I turn the key. I said, hmm. So I turned off everything electrical and was able to get it cranked. It's sitting out here, backed into the spot so Judy can jump me in case we need to. But that, that's in a message to me. And it said, I probably need a new battery because it's like five or six years old. So I'm going to go either to Walmart or one of the carport stores. I'm going to say, would you test my battery? And they're going to most likely say, you need a new battery. I'm going to say, okay, thank you very much. I'll, I'll, I'll see you later. And I'm going to walk away. And then tomorrow morning I'll get in my car and it'll go, No. I'm going to say, okay, can you price me a battery? And I'm going to get a new battery because application is everything. The treadmill makes a great clothes hanger. We have some, for those on the radio, we have some clothes hanging on our treadmill today. There's some value in a treadmill that's not used, but there's not life-changing value. So we've got to hear and we've got to apply the Word of God. So our first life app today we're going to talk about is one dealing with Forgiveness. Now, all of us at one time or another have had our heart broken, our heart ripped out with someone or something that really just hurt us. And one thing that I know about unforgiveness is that it sits there and makes our life darker and darker and darker. It's, if we allow it to, it just owns us and just possesses us and the room becomes darker and darker and darker. We pre-planned this, but like I say, <laughs> and, you know, it's incredible. It may be a group of people. It may be someone. But if we don't let it go, our world remains in the dark. So today we want to talk about how do we turn the lights back on? How do we get ourselves free from this thing called unforgiveness? May I suggest it might start here? May I suggest it starts at what we call the cross. By the way, the most recognized symbol in the entire world is this. Doesn't it make sense to go to something that's so common and so much within arm's reach to learn lessons about forgiveness? 
You know, some things about the cross that, that we do modern-wise. We, we call the cross really the Christian cross, but really the Christian cross is really not the way the, the Eastern Legion of Rome did things. You know, for instance, as an example, you notice this cross is, has a very short vertical part here. Most likely, no, we really know from history that the Eastern Legion of Rome, when they crucified someone, it was more like a capital T and not a small T. Okay? Secondly, this, if you saw the movie The Passion, and you saw Jesus Christ carrying this, he would hook this under his shoulder and he'd drug it. That's not really the way the Eastern Legion of Rome did it. He carried this portion right here, and this part stayed in the ground. And can you imagine, after what Jesus went through, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, trying to bear hug this beam that probably weighed 90 to 100 pounds, perhaps more, bear hugging that and dragging it to the place called Calvary, how hard that would be. But the most significant thing you've got to get today is this. That, that they did not crucify like we see people 15 and 20 feet in the air. No, no. Most likely it was just about like this. Men were shorter then, and the cross was anywhere from 5 to 7 feet tall. And when the person hung on the cross, it would almost be eye level. And Rome did that very much intentionally. You know why? See, the kingdom of Rome was sending a message. And they wanted you to be able to walk up to that criminal, that cross, and look the person in the eye. They wanted you to see the agony that they were going through. They didn't want to be distant. They wanted to be close. They wanted you to walk up and see the pain that the person was enduring. And the message Rome was sending was this. This is you if you rebel against Rome. This is you if you rebel against Rome. But you know what? There was another kingdom that day sending a very powerful message. And the message was one of forgiveness, the one of love. And the kingdom that was sending that message was the kingdom of God. And this cross, for us who know Jesus Christ as Savior, this cross does send a message of love. When we, when we say John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life, we think of this. We think of Jesus Christ hanging on this cross. But hopefully by now, you're beginning to get a picture of something else. That the wrath of God was poured out on His Son on a cross like this. And it should remind us of the terrible, terrible price of sin. Perhaps also, like Mama T sang today, and hopefully so, when you look at this cross, you think about forgiveness. I told you last week that, that God's Word was incredibly written for His people. And we're really out of place when we try to force God's rules on a person who doesn't even know God. And I said these life apps, they're for believers and followers. And if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you're more than welcome to apply them. But I've got good news for you today. It goes a step further. It goes a step further. Because today, there's part of this application. If you're here today and you do not have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, there's a big part of this app that's just for you.
And then, at the end, there's a part that's just for us. We're like people on a bus. There's one stop that's going to be just for you if you've never trusted Jesus Christ. But we're also going to go one step further for those of us who know Jesus. If you'll take your Bibles, please, and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verses 33 through 46. We want to spend some time today right here looking at the cross. Luke chapter 23, and we'll start reading in verse number 33. The Bible says, and this is the new, uh, the Holman Christian Standard Bible. When they arrived at the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. When they arrived at what, in one translation of, of the word, is what we call Calvary, and yet it's Golgotha, it's the place of the skull, there they crucified him. They'd already taken him. He'd been up all night. Many of you know this story, but perhaps you, you've never heard it. He'd been up all night. He'd been spit upon already. He'd been punched in the face already. When Pilate said, I find no fault in him, he chose to have him scourged. If you saw the passion of the Christ, you know the horror of the scourging. As they take a cat of nine tails, leather strips with pieces of rock embedded, metal embedded in it. And as the Roman soldiers who were so skilled at this took that cat of nine tails, literally stripping away the muscle and flesh tissue off the back of the criminal, in this case, a man named Jesus Christ. As they point out in the movie, the straps are often come around the body and rip the flesh off here. They took him after they beat him within an inch of his life and they planted a crown of thorns on his head. And again, a doctor will tell you that one of the most profuse places that bleeds is the skull area. So he's lost tremendous amounts of blood. It is only his will that keeps him alive. Many men did never make it to the crucifixion. They died. And the Bible says he carried this cross beam bear-hugging it through the streets until he collapses, and they get a guy named Simon to carry it on up to Calvary the rest of the way. And then they took him, and they laid this portion on the ground. And they took spikes, much like these spikes. I know they're a distance, you probably can't see them, but large spikes, and they were used to pierce the hand, perhaps here, perhaps here. But they took those nails, and they took it, and they pounded them in his hand. Then they moved to the other side. And then they took him. And they drugged the beam up the vertical beam. Probably using ropes. Perhaps using ropes to secure the arms so the flesh would not tear. And then they took his feet. Perhaps crossing them. Perhaps leaving them straight. Driving the nail down. And there he hung. Naked before the world. There is no death like the cross. And God is telling us today, those of us who are dealing with unforgiveness, those of us today who have never been to Calvary, get close. Come very close and look into the eyes, not of a man 
who was forced to the cross. Not of a man who had no choice, but a man who chose this death, this situation. Look into his eyes and see what you can see. Because the Bible says in verse 34, Then Jesus said, Get close. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. I I, I know. Our first pushback is saying, Yeah, Dwayne, but I'm not Jesus. He was God and He was I know it's hard to grab if you're here today and don't know Him, but He's 100% man and He's 100% God. And of course He could say that, but what you've got to understand, when He uttered those words, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing, He spoke out of His humanity. He spoke as a man making a choice. And that choice was to forgive. I don't know what's been done to you. I don't know what's lurking around in the dark side of your heart that's causing you this pain. I'm not sure what evil, and we'll talk about that's exactly how the Bible describes when someone hurts us. It's evil. I'm not sure. But I want to tell you this. The forgiveness issue is your choice. And I'll tell you this, the one suffering with unforgiveness is you. Because the person who wronged you is probably doing quite fine, thank you. But the fact that you've been carrying this grudge for a long time, and the longer we carry it, the longer it gets us, and the deeper we carry it, the deeper it gets us, the fact that you're still, you say, Dwayne, I know exactly what you're talking about. I can tell you the time. I can tell you the place. I can tell you the person's name. Because of that, you need to forgive. Dwayne, you don't know my circumstances. You, you don't know what they did. Let's look. Let's look what the human side of Jesus when he said, Father, forgive them. What was, what was he doing? What, what had he been through? Well, the Bible says, and I'm going to pick it in verse 35 and come back to the last part of 34 in a moment. The people stood watching. These were probably some of the same people who were there that day and they were cheering Jesus one moment and the next minute they were hollering, crucify him, crucify him. And the very same people that should have done something, that could have done something, did nothing. You've got some people like that in your life. Some people stood by and watched you get destroyed. They, they could have intervened. But they did nothing. Jesus had a group of people who could have done something. But they chose to do nothing. You know what he said? Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. 
The Bible goes on and says, even the leaders, and these were the religious leaders, these were the scribes and Pharisees. Even the leaders, the Bible says, was scoffing and saying, he saved others. Let him save himself. If it's God's Messiah, the chosen one. You've got to get this. If there's anyone who should have recognized Jesus as Messiah, it was the experts of the law. It was the ones who studied the Old Testament and said, this is what Messiah is going to look like. These people, these religious people, hated him. It went beyond despise. It was raw hatred. Why? Tell you why. Because it may have had something to do with why you got hurt. Because they could think only of themselves. They had a good gig going. They were the most important people in the community. When people, when they would walk by, people would look, oh, there goes one of the scribes and Pharisees. They had a good gig going financially. They had plenty of wealth. And this upstart new teacher comes in and rocks their world and rocks their boat. And people were leaving them and following Jesus. And in jealousy, and envy, and insecurity, they arranged the crucifixion. You know what Jesus said? Father, forgive them, because they do not know what they are doing. In verse 34, it said they took his robe, the really only thing of value he may have owned. It was a seamless robe. And they cast lots because they didn't want to rip it in parts. You see, the Roman soldiers had rights to the spoils. Whatever the thief had that was being crucified, they had rights to it. So they took Jesus' robe from him and began gambling to see who would get the whole robe so they wouldn't destroy a good garment. This was nine to five for them. Those Roman soldiers, they just showed up for work that day. This, this, this was something they did all the time. Hi, honey, I'll see you this afternoon. What's on the schedule today, dear? Oh, a few crucifixions. That's what they did. They were a different kind of indifferent. It was just a job. Their hearts had become so hardened that they never saw the person. They just saw a job. A way to make a little bit of money, perhaps, on the side. And they said to Jesus, You... If you are the king of the Jews, why don't you save yourself? Here, here's some sour wine to ease the pain. Save yourself. Mockingly. And you know what Jesus said to them? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. We don't believe Pilate was there that day, but he was. Not because he believed it, but just as a jab at the Jews. He had an inscription placed above his head. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. So Pilate was there in a, in a different way with his inscription, even inscription mocking Jesus. 
criminals were there. Two of them. One on this side and one on the other. And you need to understand something. Time out. In Matthew's account of the gospel, he makes something really clear. It wasn't one thief who was mocking Jesus. It was both of them. Both of them were hurling insults, something like this. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Takers. Hey, get us off the cross if you're so great. And the railing came from both sides of the fence. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. We're not sure when it happened. But something happened. Because in the verses that are about to come, we, we read the thief, one of them, saying, Whoa! I have to believe, as he watched Jesus, as he watched Jesus, instead of hurling insults back, Instead of cursing, instead of lifting his little finger and destroying every man within ten miles. He watches and he listens as Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And something happens in his heart. And he changes his message. Don't you even fear God, he says to the other thief, since you are getting undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man did nothing wrong. And then he says to Jesus, the same lips that were cursing moments before. Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom. I believe with all my heart. The reason he had a change of heart. Is because of what he saw. In Jesus Christ. That's the power of forgiveness. When we've been so hurt and wounded. And we respond in such a way. God gets tremendous glory. And it causes lost people to look and say, I want what you got. You know what Jesus said? Oh, friend. This is so incredible. Friend, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you'll be with me in my kingdom. Oh, listen, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, don't ever think you've gone too far. This man was on the cross, about to die. And when he cried out to God for forgiveness, he received it through his son, Jesus Christ. If you come today to Calvary and look in the eyes of this man named Jesus, understanding what took place there, God waits to forgive you today. No matter what's in your past. No matter how far down the road you are, look at the cross. See the Savior. He waits to forgive you. How powerful. How powerful. Today, 
you'll be with me. Don't I have to be baptized? No. No, today you'll be with me in paradise. Do I need to pray a special prayer? No. No, today you'll be with me in paradise. Do I need to join the Baptist church? No, today. Do I have to quit habits? Too late for that. No, today you'll be with me in paradise. What wondrous love is this? Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. What wondrous love is this? And if you're here today and you've experienced that, what wondrous love. Get close. Look in the eyes of your Savior. Look what He endured that you could have forgiveness of sins. Look at His response when people railed Him, made fun of Him, and mocked Him. And He did it in His humanity, not in His divine divinity. And the choice He made made a difference. And the choice we make in the way we treat people with forgiveness makes a difference. Then the Bible says this. It was now about noon. And darkness came over the whole land until three o'clock. The sun failed to shine. This is so incredible. This is so two incredible things happen here. First this. On the cross, in the darkness, according to the writings of Paul and God's holy word, Jesus Christ became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Every sin ever committed by men was on Jesus Christ that day. And mercifully, God turned out the lights. And at that moment, and in this process, the very wrath of God, all God's hatred for sin, was poured out on His Son, Jesus Christ. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus endured that that day for each one of us here today. Each one listening on the radio. It was our sins that He died for. May I bring it home personally? It was our bitterness. It was our unforgiveness. If you're the one who caused and inflicted the pain, it was your hardness of heart. Your meanness as you hurt another person. That nailed Jesus as God's wrath was poured out on His Son. And then the Bible says, The curtain of the sanctuary was split down the middle. And I don't have, I've got a lot to tell you today. I don't have a lot of time to spend on this. But I'll just tell you this. The Jews had a place called the Holy of Holies. And it's really symbolized the very presence of God. And separating the Holy of Holies from the rest of the world was a curtain that some people say was six inches thick from ceiling to floor. And at that moment, what separated man and God, the Bible says from top to bottom, it was torn in two. And basically what God was doing 
was hanging out the welcome sign. For any person who will make a commitment to Christ, receive, believing He is the Son of God, believing He died for sins, believing that He is what He says He was. The person who chooses that and chooses to commit their life to Christ, following Him, taking up the cross and following Him to every person, God hangs out the welcome sign. Black, white, it does not matter. Rich or poor, adulterer or not, it does not matter. God hangs out the welcome sign and says, no matter what you've done, the price is paid. The price is paid. The price is paid. And then Jesus did something. One more thing that's just incredible. Because it really involves where we are in our forgiveness and unforgiveness. Because the Bible says that he said to the Father, into your hands, listen, I entrust my spirit. Saying this, he breathed his last. He laid his life down. His last words were, Father, I trust you. I know I've just experienced your wrath. I know there are people that watched me die who could care less. There are people who intentionally express raw hatred. But God, I trust you with that. And what God is saying to us today, with hearts that are just hurting and hard from being wounded by inconsiderate, insincere people, Marriage vows that are broken. Children's vows to parents that are broken. Jobs promised never delivered. Contracts not honored. Pastors who fail. God, I'll trust you with it. Now, if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, this is your stop. Not now, but in a few moments, I'm going to have Brother Brent stand down front. And we want to tell you, we want you to understand fully why. There's several hundred people here, a couple hundred, three hundred people here today. And I know it's hard, but, but we've got the Word of God. It's, it's Jesus' story about what He did. And maybe you've got some questions today you'd like answered. And I've got some friends of mine who want to take the Word of God and try to answer those questions. But the bottom line is this. I promise you, the thief who said, Jesus, remember me? He didn't get all his questions answered. All he could do is look at this and say, this guy's unbelievable. I know he's done nothing wrong. His actions, he's different. And if he's going to have a kingdom, I'm going to be a part of it. If that's you today, at the end of the service, we want to tell you how you can commit your life to Jesus Christ. Receive the most awesome gift of forgiveness you could ever imagine. And commit to a life of following, not the Baptist mantra, not some preacher, but the Son of God. That's your stop. But, but while you're waiting to get off the bus, would you let us go a little bit further who already know Jesus? Because the sermon is entitled, Life Apps. Application is everything. Over in the book of Romans in chapter 12, we get some real advice on how to deal with unforgiveness. 
If you're here today and the wound is really fresh, remember when you were a kid and you fell off your bike and you skinned your knee and those first 20 or 30 or 50 minutes or first day, it was just like the air hitting that raw wound and hurt so badly? Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe just yesterday, maybe a couple days ago, maybe last week, maybe it's been a year. But the wound is still raw and hurting. Can I suggest you do something? Just linger here. Just stay here. Just just linger and heal. Just linger and heal. Get, Get close and look at what Jesus did for you. Look at what Satan intended to be an instrument of death. And how God turned it to an instrument of life. Just, just linger. Because you need to. Because let's just be honest. When, when the wound is fresh and hurting, you just need to do some healing. So get close. Stay close to the cross. It's a good place to be. But, but for some of you, time has passed. And, and the healing... Is taking place. But you still got this thing in your heart just about the size of Texas that still hurts. You may have even glossed it over and said, Well, I've forgiven them, but the truth is, every time you think of their name, pleasantry does not come to your mind. So we need to deal with it. We're not going to deny the fact that you got hurt, we're just going to deal with it. So we're going to linger at the cross, but we're going to learn. And what we're going to learn is, is that forgiven people forgive. Forgiven people forgive. If we somehow could imprint in your mind the image of Jesus and what he did for you and how he handled when people mocked him and and scourged him and hated him, if we could imprint that in our minds, then it will change the way we act. Now, Paul's got some really good advice. He, he says, first off this, you, you need to, one, learn the right economy. Economy, Because he says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. That's what the world does. In the economy of the world, when someone hurts you, you hurt them back. And Paul just simply says this, wrong economy. Wrong economy. Don't repay evil for evil. Because you're different. Because one day you saw the cross and you saw forgiveness and He forgave your sins and you became a Christ follower, a believer in Jesus. So don't exchange in that economy evil for evil. And notice, by the way, He doesn't deny and say what the person did was right or wasn't bad. He calls it evil. What they did was evil to you. But don't repay evil for evil. And then he says this. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's sight. What Jesus did here was honorable. And when he acted honorably, when he didn't lash out, it caused a hardened criminal hours away from death to say, Jesus, remember me. 
remember me. Act honorably. Because there are people watching us Christians to see how we do business. And when we act honorably, when we act Christ-like in our forgiveness, it gets their attention. So don't repay evil for evil. Act honorably like this. And as much as possible on your part, live at peace with everyone. I heard a guy teaching on this, and I liked what he said. Notice Paul doesn't say live in partnership. He doesn't say through all this hurting and pain, all of a sudden you're buddy buddies with a guy who broke your heart. But live at peace. As much as possible with you, I'm going to live peaceful with that person. I'm willing to look them in the face and say, you don't owe me. You don't owe me. That's what forgiveness does. Forgiveness says, you don't owe me. Just like God said, you don't owe me. The price was paid. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Live at peace as much as within you. Help it, Wayne. You don't understand. He says this. Friends, verse 19, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for his wrath. For it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. God says, leave the payback to me. It's my job. So let me ask you a question. Not a trick question. Whose job is payback? You knew better than that. Whose, whose job is payback? God. It's not a trick question. Vengeance is mine. I will pay, says the Lord. So, if we're taking vengeance, if we're doing payback, whose job have we assumed? God's. And let me just tell you something. We never do a good job of doing God's job. And I tell you, you want to know why we don't leave payback to God? Because we're just afraid he won't do a good enough job. Because we want that person to hurt just like we hurt times ten. And for goodness sake, what if God forgives him? What if God somehow doesn't make him suffer like I've suffered? God says, vengeance is mine. I will pay. Leave it to God. So what am I supposed to do? God says, i got a to-do list for you. Here's what he says. If your enemy is hungry, you feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you'll be heaping coals of fire on his head. And about this time, you're going, what else you got, Dwayne? I got some things in mind for the person who broke my heart, and it's not giving him an apple pie. Amen? God says, let me handle it. In the meantime, you love them. If he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. I said, okay, God, why come? Why come? How come? And you know, I thought, if we'll let God do 
his vengeance thing. If we're over here pouring love on this person, when God finally gets a hold of that person's heart, or even if he doesn't, it puts us in a position to be a friend. It puts us in a position to help the healing. It, it puts us in a position for restoration. Because our heart will be guarded in doing the good. And when that person's broken, we'll be in a position to be God's agent of healing for them. For them. He's hungry? Eat him. Thirsty? Give him a drink. After all, that's just what God did for us, isn't it? Have you figured out yet we had nothing to bring to the table? Nothing. We were totally depraved without God and Jesus. Jesus died for us. So we close with this. Here's what Paul says in the last verse. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. See, there's a choice. You're either going to be conquered or be a conqueror. You're either going to be conquered or be a conqueror. If you walk out today and say, thanks for the sermon, Dwayne. The emotional stuff, you know, the, the hammer thing, pretty, pretty touching. Appreciate that. Kind of got a glimpse of the cross. But no, no. No. Can I say it one more time? No. You've been conquered. Because you'll wake up in the morning, the black stop will still be in your heart. You'll see them coming down the aisle at church. You'll see them at work. You'll see their car, and you will have a seething hatred. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And you've been conquered. But it doesn't have to be that way. Because he says we can conquer evil with good. We can either be conquered or be a conqueror. In fact, I love Romans 8.37. It says this. For we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Literally in the Greek, it's we are super conquerors. Now you can't do this on your own. But Philippians 4.13 says, I can do. Say, I can do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He helps me be the super conqueror. You can do it. And you benefit. Because I'm telling you, the guy, the girl, the woman, the kid at school who walked all over your heart, they're probably not around home. Oh, man, I feel bad about that. You're the one that's suffering. You're the ones hurting. You can be conquered or be a conqueror. One more thing. Last 15 minutes of studying this morning, a scripture came to my mind. It's over in Acts, if you want to go there. Acts in chapter 5. Some guys have been preaching about Jesus. The disciples have been teaching about Jesus. And those people that nailed Jesus to the cross, they were really fired up. They hated him when they crucified him. They hated him when he resurrected on the third day. And they still hate him. 
And, he, and Jesus has these followers running around talking about how he couldn't stay dead. How they had resurrected. And they hated that message. And they hated his followers. So a guy named Gamaliel. They were going to kill these guys. The, the Jesus followers. And a respected leader named Gamaliel said, Time out, guys. Send the apostles, send the disciples outside for a minute. We need to talk. He said, do you remember there was a, there was a guy named Theus? And, and you remember he had a rebellion? He had a rebellion. And a bunch of people followed him. And, and, and Theus was killed. And remember how the guys dispersed? And they all went, oh, yeah, we remember. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't too long ago. We remember that. And, and, then, and then he said, now, you remember that Judas of, of Galilee? The same thing? Remember Judas of Galilee? You know, remember he led a rebellion? And, and people flocked to him and followed him. Yep, yeah, we remember that. And you remember what happened to Judas? Yeah, he got killed. Not, not Judas Iscariot, Judas of Galilee. Yeah, yeah, he, he got killed. And what happened to his followers? Well, they dispersed. That's right, he said. Now listen to this. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let, not, let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of God, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. Not pulling it out of context. Not making it say something I want to say. If we choose to ignore the cross, the forgiveness message... Even though that person's wronged you and done evil and you don't want to hear this, you don't want to hear this. You may find yourself fighting against God. Because God's will for you, say God's will. God's will for you is to forgive. And when we disobey God, we may find ourselves fighting against the very God we love. Be conquered. Or be a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Would you pray please with me? Today if you're here and you've never trusted Jesus, this is that time. Here's what's going to happen. In a few moments I'm going to pray a prayer over the service and ask God to bless this what we call decision time. And if you today would like to know how you can trust Jesus. Now remember, the thief didn't have all his questions answered. He just simply saw something in Jesus. And maybe you heard something today you've never heard before. Maybe you got wounded in church somewhere. Maybe you saw a Christian do something and said, I don't ever want to be a Christian. But you saw something today on this stage in that cross that said, wait a minute, this is different. I want to know this man. I want to know the message of forgiveness. I want to know this love. That caused him to die for me. Just tell Brother Brent. I challenge you today. You say, Dwayne, you trying to embarrass us by making us walk out? Nope. Nope. Truth is, we got the answers and you got questions. And I'll personally, I've got some friends who'll meet with you and we'll talk. No, no arm twisting, no cramming down your throat, just answering questions. And if you want to commit to Jesus Christ, we'll help you do that today. Now, some of you, the wounds raw, isn't it? This is a hard message for you to hear. In fact, it probably was for all of us. I want to invite you to come to the altar this morning. During our time of decision, you just may want to come and pray. And, you, and here's what you want to say. God, right now, I'm not ready to forgive. I'm going to be honest with you, God, I'm not. 
But God, would you help me stay at the cross until I can? Would you help me stay at the cross long enough for you to bring some healing in my heart? Because right now, God, it hurts too bad. He'll hear that prayer. He'll honor that prayer. Let us pray with you today. Got some friends who'll be glad to pray with you if you've been hurt today. Maybe some, your wound is starting to scab over some. And maybe you're willing today to say, okay, God, okay, I'm going to turn it over to you. I'm going to try to be honorable in this. I'm not going to try to repay. I'm not going to enter that economy of the world, evil for evil, tit for tat. No, God, I'll trust you. You said vengeance is mine. I'll repay. I'll trust you. And God, I'm not sure how I'm going to do it yet. I've got to be honest with you. But I will try to minister to my enemy. The very one who hurt me, I will try to be kind. The very one who hurt me, I will try to minister to them. I can't do it. But I'm trusting you to help me do it. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's going to be a miraculous work in your heart. And you're soon going to find, even if the person never responds, even if you never see God's vengeance, there will be a new bounce in your step. There will be a new bounce, a new freedom in your heart. Application is everything. I thank you, God, for your word today. Thank you for allowing us to visit the cross. Thank you that's up close and personal. And Father, for my friend here today who's never made that commitment to Jesus Christ, would today be that day? Father, they've got questions. God, please get them here so we can try to answer those questions. Maybe after dinner or during dinner, Father, please, God, give them, call them, draw them to Yourself. Father, for my friend whose the wound is so fresh it's still bleeding, Keep them near the cross. Keep them near the cross. Let them linger and heal. Father, for those of us who are ready, help us move on because forgiven people forgive. Help us to trust you with the vengeance part, the repay part. And help us, God, to be ready to minister and to be able to say, you don't owe me. Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.